0: Alright, here we go Shaking the dice shaking the dice 14 fuck Let's do the skin Natural one shit Uh, 18 not bad good enough to keep going Natural 20 Yes Oh, I love the natural 20. All the way from Tahlequah, Oklahoma, this is Quatism, a dad blog podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode four of Quatism, a dad blog podcast. I am Bob, your host. Uh, I got a pretty fun episode lined up for you tonight. Um, I feel like here lately, I've just kind of been very up and down with the emotion of the podcast. Um, there's been some good stuff, and I've kind of brought it back up. But I, but tonight, I just want to talk about something that brings me immense joy. And that is D&D Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I'm going to talk about um, what exactly D&D is, um, and how I first learned about D&D. It was not in the traditional sense that most players learn about D&D. And I'm also going to talk a lot about things where um, D&D has kind of come into my life in very different ways, um, such as with Grayson and with his autism, and how D&D can, I don't want to say help with that, because autism isn't necessarily something that needs to be helped. The people with autism sometimes need help, but the autism itself does not need help. Um, But anyway, more on that. Uh, I'm also going to talk about how D&D has kind of helped me with my own personal issues, anxiety, depression, things like that. And just for fun shits and giggles, I'm gonna talk about my two, uh, current D&D characters that I play as. Um, so, anyway, this is gonna be really fun for me. Uh, I get to nerd out more often than I usually get to, um, except for on Friday nights when I do play D&D with my family. Uh, that's another thing I'm gonna get to talk about, um. Uh, so here we go. Okay, so for those that are uninitiated, you're probably wondering what the hell D&D is. Well, Dungeons & Dragons, um, commonly abbreviated as D&D, um, it's a fantasy tabletop role-playing game originally designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Uh, it was first published in 1974 by Tactical Studies Rules Incorporated, otherwise known as TSR. Um, Since 1997, though, it's been published by Wizards of the Coast. And um, they are a subsidiary of Hasbro. So that's been a big name behind them for a while, and they've been able to come back into resurgence, as they have for the last five or six years. Um, It, like I said, it's a tabletop role-playing game. You get to, you know... As a player, you get to create, you know, a character of, you know, various races and classes, um, and you come up with a backstory, and you tell your story through playing this game, uh, along with other player characters, and it's all facilitated by a game master, or dungeon master, rather, um, And the Dungeon Master tells the bulk of the story, fleshes out this world, Um, and then the player characters come in with their own stories and flesh it out even more. Um, And there are various combat encounters, puzzles, uh, and potential for great storytelling. Um, It is my absolute... one of my absolute favorite um, things to do as far as playing uh games. Uh it even beats video games. It's something that has re-sparked my imagination. Um it's uh, there are a lot of rules, but I mean depending on your dungeon master or DM it um I mean, it's sometimes easy to remember if not, and you got a cool enough dungeon master, sometimes they just throw caution to the wind and you just see where it goes from there. Um, it uh, there was uh, an instance where it went, D and D went downhill um, in popularity. I mean, it wasn't super popular from its start. You know, the uh, stereotypical nerdy kids were the only ones that played it, um, and then somewhere in the eighties, um, there was a moral. There's a controversy um, where a lot of fundamental people, fundamentalists, thought that if you play a spellcaster in this game and your character is casting spells, that the person playing the character is, you know, trying to summon Satan himself or some weird crap like that. It was called the Satanic Panic. It drove d d downhill a lot more than it already was, so it was a, even more of a hush-hush secretive thing. Not illegal by any means, just, quote-unquote, immoral. Um, but it did get back into popularity um, later, uh, later on, like about five, six years ago, um, it got super popular with, um, Uh, with a uh, platform called Twitch, um, where you stream playing games. And they did that with video games, and they also do it with tabletop games. Um, And a group of nerdy-ass voice actors uh, decided to start streaming, and it became what is known as the worldwide phenomenon of Critical Role. Um, It's one of my favorite D&D shows. It's definitely my top three. Uh, The other two being High Rollers, Um, which is a British D&D show Um, and The Dungeon Run which is another D&D show but that one's a little bit different Um, that one takes uh, interactions from from the from the audience Um, they stream it live and so the audience will go in and Um, you can buy um, you can buy these props that can affect the game, such as uh, there's they call them forces of good and forces of evil. You buy a force of good, it's something that will hap- good happen for those player characters. Force of evil, of course, something bad. Um, there's also you could also like buy advantage and disadvantage. Um, that's a technical thing for D and D. Advantage. Let me back up a little bit. In and you have a series of dice one of those is a 20-sided dice. That's the most common one that you use. Um, When you have advantage, you get to roll two of those 20-sided dice and you will take the higher number. And on the flip side, with the disadvantage, you roll two 20-sided dice and you take the lower number. Um, And that just makes for a lot more... uh, That makes for a lot of fun interactions. Um, Whether, you know, you're playing... Watching the dungeon run... Um, or any other d show, or playing yourself. Um, it just kind of depends on the situation. Um, but that's, uh, that's just a little bit of my knowledge of d I'm getting excited and jumping all over the place. So, um, how about I jump into, um, kind of my history with D&D, um, where I first learned about it, um, and when I first started playing it, which was years later <laughs> okay, so um my first experiences with d and d a long time ago in this galaxy, not so far away um I was just a little kid it was like the early nineties um and my and um my mom and dad. And me and my brother, we would go to my uncle's house. We would hang out with my cousins. Um, well, my cousin, my brother and my cousins would go play. Well, one of my cousins. The other cousin and myself, we would sit and watch our parents um, play D&D. Now, this isn't the traditional pen and paper um, dice D&D that um, everyone knows and loves. This was more... Um, it, it, it was a weird... It was a weird version. I mean, because it was like... It, it was a traditional board game, style game. You had your board and your minis and your six-sided dice. Uh, or D6s. And... Um, they... Um, and one side of the... It was a two-sided board. One side of the board was... Out was like an outside area um which had places where you could customize tiles to do for like traps or battle encounters or whatever um and then flip the board over and on the other side was a dark spooky cave or castle the dungeon area if you will um and um the dm could set up the tiles however set up whatever encounters and um The characters, depending on what mini you grabbed, the character sheets were kind of pre-done. It was very... I know Parker Brothers released a version like it in the early 2000s, but like I said, this was like in the early 90s. I'm pretty sure it was Dungeons & Dragons, like actual Dungeons & Dragons licensed. Um, I know at the time, after doing some research... Hey, I actually did research for once. Um there was a game called Hero Quest that worked a lot like how I just described. Um, but I was always just enamored with these stories that they were telling with you know with everything that would happen in the games. like I remember one time where uh my dad he would play um, actually, <laughs> let me back up for a second. For the purposes of this podcast and how it, and, um, my D&D journey, my dad here is technically my stepdad, but he, he raised me, so he, I call him dad, he is my dad, but for this purpose I'm going to call him my stepdad, and you'll find out later why, um. So my stepdad, he always played like the buff fighting barbarian type, right? And there was this one point where he was—he just barreled through into this dungeon, and he ended up falling into a trap and having to fight his way out of this trap. And um, it was just this wild and crazy thing um, because it was just kind of a roll of the dice that it happened. Um, just almost a nearly random encounter. Um, but I just remember, you know, the amazing storytelling and the excitement and the imagination that came from all that. It was just an amazing experience. So fast forward years later, um, this was probably, ooh, easily three, four years ago. Um, I... I was hanging out with some friends, and one of them was like, hey, I play Dungeons & Dragons. Would you be interested? And at first, I was just like, no, no. I mean, I'm not judging. It's cool Whatever you, that you play it. I just don't... You know, I was having a lot of problems socializing outside of um, my family unit, <laughs> which was my kid, his mom, and myself. We were still married at the time. Um, but... Um, but my kid's mom, she was like, no, no, go go ahead. You know, get out there. You know, if it's something you want to try and do, do it. So I eventually went. Um, and they weren't actually playing Dungeons & Dragons. They were playing another tabletop role-playing game called Pathfinder at the time. Which worked a lot like d and um, But anyway, so I went and I played. I had a blast. I mean, it was much different than what... Um, I had experienced in my childhood because this time it was I had a character sheet, paper character sheet with a pencil, and some borrowed dice and um and it was just kind of what what the uh tabletop community calls theater of the mind, where we were just- like we had a grid map and he was just kind of drawing, and he had little, he had some minis, um, one that I borrowed, my DM, um, there, his name was Jacob, um, but anyway, it was just an absolute blast, I had so much fun, so much so that I kept going back, (laughs) it started, you know, it, you know, it became a weekly thing, then a bi-weekly thing, and then a monthly thing, and then a weekly thing again, um, And then uh, things happened, you know, of course, you know, a couple of us have families, so it was hard to get scheduled common occurrence with D&D. But we did eventually move that game from Pathfinder to to D&D, and a few things changed, which I'll explain later um, with that. Um, But yeah, ever since I've been playing D&D, and in some form or fashion, and I love it. Now I'm currently in a game with my biological dad and that'll be another thing I talk about in another episode of the podcast. but yes, I my biological dad <laughs> he's my dungeon master um, and I play with my two step brothers, my sister, her husband, and then um, my kid's mom Eva and myself we play um, and we play weekly. Um, and we play over the internet, which is a, a fun, interesting thing, because usually tabletop games, you want to play in person, but with the advance of technology, and which happened right on time because of COVID, and now because of COVID, we play, um, we can play online, um, there are different, uh, many different, um, Resources for you to do that, such as Roll Twenty and D and D Beyond. Um, you can communicate through Roll Twenty or Discord, which is how we communicate. We use the Discord app for our actual communications. Um, but it's just so much fun. Um, it is a release for me every week. I have something to look forward to through the week. Instead of just oh thank God I'm not on I'm not having to work for a little bit, it's. Okay, it's Friday. It's D&D night. Let's get through today so we can play D&D. And it is just so much fun. Um, this last session that we had... <laughs> it, I mean, not a whole lot happened in-game. It was just a lot of traveling across this world. Um, and trying to get these two prisoners to, to the prison that they're supposed to go to. To face their sentencing. Um... But it was a lot of great, um, role-playing, or RP. Uh, we didn't actually speak it out, though. We, we, we were just kind of mouthing off to each other in the chat as our characters. And it was just so much fun. Because I, I can imagine the actual banter going on in my head with these characters. And, um, it was just so amazing and so much fun. Um... Another thing about D and D that is even more recent than the recent resurgence and the ability to play online is um, how D and D helps those with can help those with special needs or uh, developmental or mental issues. Um, there's been a lot of research into it, um, especially for that for those with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD, and Grayson, he is he is autistic, he has autism spectrum disorder. He's on the high-functioning end, um, which there's a lot of definition for between high-functioning and low-functioning, but the fact of the matter is he does have autism, um, and D&D, there, uh, uh, there's been a lot of research into how D&D can help people like Grayson. Um, and that's going to be my next segment, what I call ASD&D. Okay, so this segment I'm calling ASD&D. Um, (laughs) there's many reasons why. Um, there's been a lot of research, uh, as I previously mentioned, about how D&D can help those with autism or any other kind of uh, developmental or mental disorder. Uh, it's even been known to help uh, those with PTSD uh, for various reasons. Um, but um, for for the moment, I'm going to talk specifically about how it helps those with autism. Uh, usually, those with people with autism have a really hard time socializing, and Dungeons and Dragons however you play it, is a social game. You have to interact either with your player characters or non-player characters, which are characters that are in this world that are usually controlled by the DM. Um, But they have some sort of purpose or another, whether it be important or not important, depending on how your story goes. Um, But yeah, um, it also helps um, those with... Uh, sensory issues um, because the dice they have a nice feel to them. They're smooth. It's um, and then just the feel of rolling the dice and hearing the click clack, um, especially if you shake your dice in your in a dice bag. Um, at least that's just my own sensory thing. Um, anyway, so back to ASD and D how d and is helping those with autism. There is a group, an organization called Game to Grow. And this is a group of world-class therapists, specialists in the field of autism and um, other spectrum disorders. And they, um, they are also a bunch of nerds. They... They love D and D, and they figured out a way for D and D to help them in their group therapy sessions. So, in the group therapy sessions, they start having their patients, whether it be kids or adults. That it's usually kids. will will play. Um, we'll start playing D and D, and they will do special things like you know checking in with with the kids how they're feeling today and how that's and. Um, like how they're going to how that's going to affect their their character. Um and there's lots of many different facets about it. Um it's all very interesting. Um and they but anyway, the, these therapists they've gotten to go to conventions like these gaming conventions. Um to talk about their research and what they've done and how they've done it. And then they go to other conventions for, like, psychology um, and therapy, um, talking about, you know, how they're using D&D to help their patients, um, kids and adults alike. Uh, but game to grow they, have start, they started a Kickstarter a couple of years back to create their own tabletop role-playing game. Um, similar to D&D. Um, they call it Critical Core. Um, and... (laughs) Oh man, just thinking about it. Um, when I first read about this, I found it on Twitter. Um, a very popular D&D person had shared this on Twitter. Um, and it struck a chord with me. Where, um... And I started reading into it how this group of therapists were helping kids with autism by playing D anD D, and that just struck a chord with me because it was not long after um, it was not long after Grayson was diagnosed with autism, um, and I was just having a particularly bad week. That week, it was a Friday when I found out about the, what about Critical Core. Um, But I was having a bad week. Um, I I was, you know, in my beginning stages of even trying to understand what autism is. And I was still trying to figure out how I could best parent Grayson. And that week, I was really, really not doing a good job. Um, There was just a lot of things going on, and I was just feeling like a horrible parent. Like a horrible person in general, but especially a horrible parent. And, um, I was laying down. I went to bed early because I was just done with the day. And I was on Twitter just trying to calm my brain down and I was reading and... And there was this tweet how these people called Game to Grow were creating their own tabletop game for those with autism to help those kids with autism with whatever issues they may have, whether it be social issues, behavioral issues, um, their own sensory issues, and creating that and then going and just going down the rabbit hole and learning about the research that had been done so far, it just brought me... To my knees in tears. And then Eva came in. She asked what was wrong. And I just unloaded. About how. You know. (laughs) Everything she knew. How I was just not. A great person that week at all. And then I read this. And that. I feel like this is going to be something that I can connect with. And in the, how they had this Kickstarter campaign going to create this tabletop game, Critical Core. And I, as soon as I could, I jumped on that bandwagon. Uh, I, you know, I jumped into that Kickstarter, I gave some money, and, um, and I've kept up with it ever since with the creation, how it's going, and... Um, and I'm actually really excited because they're getting ready. To, they're they're locking down, you know, shipments. They're getting ready to ship it out, and I'm just so stoked uh, because it's going to be something I get to learn, and it's going to help me learn more about autism. It's going to help Grayson kind of hone in on his special, unique self with his autism. Um, at least that's my hopes for it. And it's something that got me excited and something that helped me feel, feel like that I could be a parent of worth. Um, it could I feel like it's something where I could connect with Grayson. At the time, I didn't feel any kind of connection to him. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Grayson. I really do. I have since the day he was born. I just, I'm, I'm not a great parent, and I know that. Um, but at that time, I was a particularly shitty parent. Um, so, just, I was just not great at parenting. Um, and the whole autism diagnosis just made it even worse for a while. But I still wouldn't trade Grayson for anything in the world. Anyway, back on subject. Um, but I feel like that, I felt like that this could really help me connect with Grayson. Um, to help me learn more about his autism. So I jumped on this bandwagon and it's going to be releasing sometime next year, early next year I'm hoping, because they've been working on it ever since um, their campaign came out. I even got a hold of some uh, some beta release stuff to read over and review it and, <laughs> and to toot my own horn a little bit I was reading it and there was like a big long list of special thanks section and My name was right in there, um, along with other prominent people in um, tabletop gaming, especially D&D. So I just thought that was, you know, to toot my own little horn about that, that I actually helped, you know, in a very small way with the creation of something like this. Um, But anyway, I want, I also, that's Critical Core, it's going to be coming out next year. If you have any questions, since I didn't do this earlier, if you have any questions about Critical Core or D&D or anything like that, feel free to message me, get on my timeline, tweet me, whatever. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is at QualtismDadBlog. Spell Q-U-A-H-T-I-S-M-D-A-D-B-L-O-G. Um, if social media isn't your bag... You can email me at quatismdadblog at gmail.com. Um, any questions you have about D&D or Game to Grow or Critical Core, I will be more than happy to answer those questions for you or give you links to you know, resources or to the Game to Grow website so you can yourself can learn about what they're doing. Let me go ahead and put a disclaimer. Nobody here is paying me to say these things this is just because I love D&D and I love what Game Grow is doing and I love Critical Core uh, and what it's about um so let me just get that out there right now <laughs> so no one is contractually obligated to pay me <laughs> though man that would be the dream to be able to work for D&D even on one thing <laughs> Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's Game to Grow, Critical Core. That's ASD&D, essentially. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Grayson here in a moment and things that he's done in D&D. Yes, five years old, and he's played D&D. And it's just absolutely fucking amazing. So let me tell you about it. Okay, so, Grayson has played D&D. This was a super cool thing. So my bio dad, who DMs up the weekly game like I previously said, um, he wanted to do something special for Grayson's birthday. And so we were like, hey, you know what? Because my bio dad, he lives up in Wisconsin. We live down here in sunny Tahlequah, Oklahoma. That's a long way. Other players live over in Maryland. And one of the Carolinas, I can't remember exactly, I want to say it's like South Carolina. I could be wrong. But anyway, Carolina, Maryland, Wisconsin, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. <laughs> so we are all over that map. Um, but my bio dad, he wanted to do something for Grayson's birthday. So we were talking about it and... We decided that Grayson was going to make a D&D character for a special one-shot. Um, and that's just like a one-time game for those that don't know. It's a one-time game. There's no extended story to it. It's kind of like a situational thing. So, we went through the process of creating this character. We um, we were showing uh, we were trying to figure out how to help Grayson understand D&D. And Eva, his mom, had this wonderful idea. She is so much smarter than me, and this is the reason why, because she researches. She, there's a system called the Picture Exchange Communication System, also known as PEX. Um, it is an alternative communication system um, developed, it was developed in about 1985. But it, the developers noticed that traditional communication techniques, including speech, imitation, sign language, and picture point systems relied on the teacher to initiate social interactions, and none of them focused on teaching students to initiate these interactions. And based on the observations, uh, the creators created a functional means of communication for individuals with a variety of communication challenges. It was originally developed for young children with autism spectrum disorder, uh, but its use has become much more widespread. Now, um, It's been, it's kind of a controversial system because the goal for, um, a a big goal for a lot of us with, um, for a lot of people with autism spectrum disorders, when they can't communicate, we want them to be able to communicate, um, and we want them to be able to, this is going to sound harsh and horrible, but we want them to be able to communicate like everybody else. Not to make them any less unique, but so that they can function in a world that does not understand them. And unfortunately that's a kind of a big ask. Because we need to we as the neurotypical people need to do more and do better to accommodate for the neurodiverse because they work so hard to accommodate us, by mimicking us, by trying to communicate like us. And they shouldn't have to. We need to be able to help each other out. Um, that's my belief on it, anyway. But anyway, it's the PEC system is kind of controversial, because peop, some people feel like it further inhibited that, that goal of their ASD child communicating like the rest of us using speech and not just pointing at the picture on what they want and that's kind of what PECS is it's a series of pictures for what you want Um, it's very common for daily schedules Um, for example like um, there's we have a PEC system used for getting up in the morning for the morning routine for Grayson when he gets ready to go to school it's You know, this time he's up, this time he's getting dressed, and this time he's, you know, taking his morning meds and eating breakfast and brushing his teeth. And then, you know, the last one is he's getting on the bus. So, Eva created this peck system, this picture book, for Grayson's D&D character. Now, I'm going to get a little bit D&D technical here. So... Grayson's character was named Thanos. He is a half-orc rogue. um, And that's a thief type, for those that don't know. Um, D&D also has subclasses. So, he was a rogue, but his subclass was called Arcane Trickster. Meaning he could use magic for his stuff. Um, You know, for thievery or whatever. Whatever it is that rogues do, <laughs> um, the uh, so Eva created, Eva worked on this character. I kind of, kind of helped. You know, I throw in some words, but Eva did most of the work. So God bless her for this. I actually posted a video of this. It's kind of in the archives. If you scroll back through um, stuff for uh, on. Uh, I know at least the Facebook page. Quatism Dad Blog. Um, but anyway. She she's like, okay, this is you know Thanos' book. This is Thanos. He can do this. He can move. He could attack with his daggers or short swords, I believe. Um, or he could do one of his magic tricks. And so when it... And so Eva showed Grayson... And we kind of, and she played around with it. It's like, okay, what do you want Thanos to do? He's like, I want Thanos to move here. She's like, okay. Then what do you want Thanos to do? He's like, I want him to use magic. And so, you know, they did a couple practice rounds. Then when it came time for D&D night, which is funny because on the night of his birthday, he actually fell asleep. So we didn't actually get to do it for him. It was the week after when he was awake enough for us to be able to do this but all the other players were cool with it. Um, So we jumped in, and it was like this birthday party for his D&D character. And then all these superheroes showed up. Like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man even. Um, And then all of our, everybody's D&D characters were in there playing, you know, celebrating Thanos' birthday. And even this adult red dragon came swooping down and lit the birthday cake, lit the candles, <laughs> it was just this wild, it was the most d d birthday party ever, <laughs> that could take place inside or outside of the d d game, um, and then there was, you know, a bunch of goblins attacked, and bugbears or whatever, and it just, and it was, you know, it was a big fight, and <laughs> Grayson saved the day, you know, making these, making these big hits with this character Thanos, and every time it was his turn, she, um, Eva was like, okay, Grayson, what do you want to do? He'd flip right to the picture of what he wanted to do, and he had these really good rolls, the dice were on his side, um, and it was just this fun, amazing moment, and I was smiling from ear to ear, because, A, it was Grayson. He was doing something and having fun. And B, he was doing something that I liked, that I loved immensely. He was playing D&D. I was a very proud geek dad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he, and he always enjoys watching us play. Even if he doesn't, you know, feel like trying to interact, um, He still enjoys watching us play, and now Elsie (laughs) enjoys watching us play. She enjoys watching, you know, things moving on the screen and watching the dice roll across the table. Um, It's just so fun watching these these kids interact with something that I love. Kind of almost as much as them. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I love my kids way more than anything. I would choose my kids over D&D any day of the week. But I do love D and lot, and it makes me very happy to watch uh, my kids play something. I mean, even if they don't, you know, fully get into it when they're older, that's okay. But just watching them those moments, man, that 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 tickles some heartstrings. Okay, so D and D has helped me a lot. Um. Like I mentioned before, in my D and D history, I, I was very, I'm still shy, but I wasn't really all about socializing. I I resigned myself to being husband and dad. Um, but that encouragement for me to go play in D and D that worked, and now, and I love going play in D and D, and I love the interaction, the social interaction. Um, it's helped me come out of my shell a little bit more, um, and also, when I'm just having a bad fucking week, I get to sit and play D&D with my family online, it is a big stress off of me, off of my shoulders, I get to relax, I get to let loose, um, and sometimes it's not even like the actual playing D&D part, it's the, you know, interacting with my family, i getting to talk and just shoot the shit, which we've done. Sometimes, like, we've, just, we've all just started talking and shooting the shit over Discord and forgot that we were playing a D&D game. <laughs> um, but with D&D, that's helped me. Um, it's also re-sparked my imagination. Um, for the longest time, my imagination, I feel like, kind of went dormant. Nothing was, you know, I can not it was, nothing was original. It was all just, oh, I saw this one thing and it was cool. And now, I mean, and with d when I started thinking up of stuff to happen in d you know, a lot of it was based on, you know, a lot of fantasy stuff that I've read or watched, like Lord of the Rings, whatever. And now, it, um, I get to do, now I just do all kinds of weird off-the-wall shit with my, one of my current characters, which I will talk a little more about um, in a little bit. Pardon my ringtone. I don't know why that did that. Anyway, um, it's probably gone off a couple times. Anyway, so D&D helps me a lot. It lets me let loose of my stress. Um, It brings that high, so I'm not feeling so depressed let's lose my anxiety so I get to relax. It gives me those endorphins. It makes me feel good. Um, and it re-sparks my imagination because I know I'm telling one hell of a story. Um, right now with my current group where, you know, with my family, we're, we're still in the very beginning stages of telling the story, but man, it's, it's in that part where it's starting to get good. Um, and it's—I'm so excited for what's gonna happen here in the next five, six levels of play, because um, now our characters are just now starting to get to know each other, and like, oh, we can't go there because I'm kind of wanted there, you know, and things like that. Um, but yeah, that—I mean—it's just brings me a lot of joy and happiness. As social games like this should. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so for nuts and Giggles, maybe I'll go ahead and talk about my two current, most current D&D characters. Okay, so the first of my current D&D characters um, is the one that actually got me back into D&D. His name is Foljon. He is a half-elf. Now, when I first started playing D&D again, when I first started playing D&D for real, it was, uh, we weren't actually playing D&D. We were playing another role-playing game called Pathfinder, which is very similar to D&D. And under Pathfinder's rules, my character's class, you have your race and your class, and you have different abilities based on, you know, what you pick. Um, But my character was a half-elf, and he was considered a druid in Pathfinder. So he used a lot of nature magic and things like that. Well, when we moved over to D&D, under D&D rules, 5th edition rules, he did not fit under the classifications for a druid. So we kind of had to fudge some things and make him what's called a ranger. Um, Still very nature-based, but not all, you know, nature magic. Not so much. Um... I guess some background on him he is a half elf and as with most half elves he's kind of torn between two worlds that of elf and that of human and for him those worlds were much closer than um than anybody could ever want to realize because his mother was a elf was a wood elf who lived in the woods and then right next at the edge of those woods was a small farming village Of different types of people, Um, but she, his mother, fell in love with a human there, who was kind of a tinkerer. He was supposed to be fixing the farm equipment, but he was like trying to do things to make things easier for the farming community. He was kind of, and it didn't work out very well. Anyway, so there was a raid in the farming village, and his father was killed. Voljon was a young boy at this time. His father was killed by this person who was raiding the farming village. Um, His mother was a powerful druid of the forest village of elves, and she went after this raider in um, kind of a rage. They fought each other to the death. And from there, Voljon just kind of lived in between Um in between the farming village and the forest not really belonging to either of them um i mean he still had love for the, each of the villages but he knew that there was a divide because of that raid um that tore his <laughs> that tore the villages and his family apart um so anyway he grew he grew up in between both worlds and then he went adventuring he Eventually met up with his current party, um, and they've had plenty of adventures together. Voljan's first adventure—he almost died by a squid. That would—that was, was a fun little. <laughs> that was a fun little way of almost dying in the first couple of sessions. Um. So we. in that background noise. So, um, but anyway, they've had many adventures together. And another cool thing is that um, Valsron eventually gained the ability through a magic apple, he can turn into a killer whale. Like, once a day. Um, yeah, he can turn into a killer whale. And there's this one time where we were um, we were chasing a person down. But then a group of bandits came up on us. Or we were coming up on a group of bandits. So the sorcerer in the party turned Voljon into a pegasus. And f- so as a pegasus, Vol'jan flew up. And then dropped concentration on that pegasus spell. And turned into a, a killer whale. And let the inertia from, of being a big huge ass killer whale plummet down on the top of these guys. <laughs> that hurt on a lot. Uh, not only in killer whale form, but in his normal half-elven form. Um, <laughs> and just many other hijinks like that. Um, he's got a tiger. As, as a ranger, he, um, he can take a, a subclass called Beastmaster, where he's really good with animals. So he's got a small tiger... Uh, medium-sized <coughs> for those in d d it's a it's panther stats <laughs> it's the stats of a panther in D&D um, but it's a tiger because why not but um, yeah Voltron's had all kinds of other <laughs> fun adventures in between all that um, I haven't got to play him in a while I kind of actually miss him So I've got to get with my old DM in that group and see if we can get together at some point. I'm not sure how that's going to work because, you know, COVID and, you know, and work schedules because of, you know, there's a few of us there that are dads and have families and all that. So hopefully one day I can, you know, get back into that game. That'll be a lot of fun. Okay, so the next character, and the one I've been playing the most here recently, um, is a Dwarven Bard. Um, Now, for those, for the uninitiated, you know what Dwarves are. If you don't, do your Googles. Um, A Bard is somebody that, you know, that can, you know, sings, writes poetry, you know, makes amazing speeches, that type of thing. Um, An entertainer, for the most part. Um, So, I have a dwarven bard, and his name is Tiberius Songhammer. (laughs) A very traditional name. But anyway, Tiberius is... He he comes from a simple village. Well, not really a village. It's a town called Hundlestone. For the D&D initiated, we are... This campaign is in the Sword Coast, or the Forgotten Realms, to be even more specific. Um, so... Yeah, he's from Hundlestone. He's a simple dwarf. He, You know, his mother is a bartender. Um, who is also the sister of the Clan Master and Iron, and Iron Master, which is a neighboring dwarves-only town. Um... And his father is a smith. The father of Tiberius is a smith. Um, his father is named Iggy. Um, full name Ignatius. But he goes by Iggy because, as he states it, his father is Ignatius. Um, and Ignatius Songhammer, Tiberius' grandfather, is, um, is like this legendary dwarven warrior. Um, who, according to legend, created this amazing hammer called the hammer of song um, which I bet you can't guess where that came from <laughs> song hammer um, but anyway uh, the thing is is that you know it's that the, the the hammer itself and Ignatius's story is lost to legend and Tiberius wants to prove that legend true, Because he feels like that will bring his clan, the Songhammer clan, um, glory and renown. um, And make sure that they are never, ever forgotten again. Because that's kind of Tiberius' worst fear, is to be forgotten and not remembered. Um, So he's on on this journey. And also, as part of Songhammer legend, um, every person... In the Songhammer Clan, that they, they, they uh, part of their life goal is to find their song, um, the song that you know defines who they are and what they did. You know, of course, there's a song about Ignatius, which supposedly was the song that was written into the Hammer of Song, and that's how. And that's how the hammer song became so powerful. Um. So each. Each song hammer has their song. Whether it's actually powerful or not. That just depends on the person. For example Iggy. You know his song. that He's just a simple smith. You know he's content. You know smithing weapons. Or horseshoes. Or whatever is needed. He's okay with the simple life. Um. Uh, and there are legends of other, of um, <laughs> of other family members in the Songhammer clan. Um, you know whether they're you know barbaric fighters or just those that love to polka dance or yodel. <laughs> um, but Tiberius has yet to find his own song. That defines who he is, so that he can write his song in the book of Songhammer, essentially. Um, and he feels that you know by finding where his grandfather, where his grandfather's final resting place was, and hopefully the song, the hammer of song, he hopes that you know that will be his. That will be his song. That will be, what gets him into the songbook, and what gets you know, and what brings glory, back to the, the songhammer clan. Um. He kind of fears being mediocre, so he kind of lives larger than life. He doesn't necessarily hate people. <laughs> um, he's not above being a bit of a trickster. Uh, There was an instance where the group that Tiberius is with, they all came up on this wizard who was doing some weird research. So Tiberius, with his bard magic, casted a charm spell and convinced this guy to walk away and, you know, go take a vacation to the beach. The beach was like a day away. Or something like that. (laughs) The charm spell only works for an hour. <laughs> and once that charm spell is done, the person knows that he was... that he had a spell placed on him, that he was bamboozled. <laughs> so, needless to say, that wizard's gonna be pretty pissed. Um, Tiberius has all kinds of fun spells as a bard. Um, and a lot of new ones with the release of the, uh, newest D&D publication. Um, Anyway, so. But yeah, Tiberius, he's just a fun loving dwarf that loves his music. Um, he, he loves his adventure so far. Um, there are some creatures that scare him, such as creepy ass drow. Not his. Not the drow that's in his party, but other drow. Um, and also dragons. Yeah, he's scared of dragons. <laughs> that, that was... The party came up across the green dragon, and that was... That was not fun, because we were not strong enough for that fight. How we survived was pure freaking luck. Um, but no, that's Tiberius. That's my current character. I'm having so much fun with him. I love it. Um... So I'm hoping he lasts for a long, long time. Because death in D&D is possible and sometimes inevitable. So, I'm just hoping I can keep him alive so he can finish his story and find his song and find that hammer. Okay, so yeah, this was a fun episode. Getting to completely and totally nerd out. I'm sure I lost a few of you, and I am sorry. (laughs) But hey, if you have any questions about D&D or Critical Core or Game to Grow, or if you need some more information about my characters, um, if you just want to know and you're not currently in my adventuring groups, Um, yeah, hit me up on social media at quatismdadblog q-u-a-h-t-i-s-m d-a-d-b-l-o-g or quatismdadblog at gmail.com also uh, as per usual in the show description there's a link to donate to the show Totally your call if you want to no sweat off my back if you do if you don't want to Um, man that was just a lot of fun I'm all hyped up and ready to play D&D and it's not even Friday yet so I guess that's the end of my show for now Um, I'll try to come up with something (laughs) might not be as exciting as D&D but I'll figure something out anyway um, I had so much fun tonight recording this so um, I hope you all enjoyed listening to it. This has been episode four of Quatism a Dad Blog. Thanks for listening, and good night, everybody.